want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want it all. Said I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. I'm coming to get it. Don't care what you heard. Don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all because I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. It's the best in the game. Best in the biz. About that time, and you know what it is. Coming from Brooklyn, bringing that truth. Never gonna lie. Never gonna lose. Always on top. Keeping it steady. He'll make you tap out and you won't be ready. He got the suplex breaking your back. Now everyone in the world gonna listen to Taz. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's going on? Thank you, thank you, thank you for downloading this episode of the Taz Show. Yes, very much appreciated. You're doing that on uh, radio.com, either on the app or the website, yep, or Apple Podcasts. I mean, maybe you're doing it there, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Maybe TazShow.com. You'll be doing it over there too. Whatever you're doing, I appreciate you pulling me into into your daily ongoings no matter if you're going to work coming home from work going to the gym getting on a treadmill uh, you know you're gassed on a uh, on a pre-core machine or maybe you're just sitting in the yard pounding some beers smoking a cigar or maybe you're just in the car stuck in traffic and you're miserable whatever you're doing I- i'm here to brighten your day and um we got a, a special guest in this episode of the show uh his name is al dukes yes al dukes uh for those uh, that are radio fans, you know Al Dukes from WFAN, the number one radio station, a sports radio station in the country, uh, arguably the world, uh, right uh, here in New York. Uh, is the station's in New York City, and Al has been the top dog producer for for many years uh, in the radio industry. Uh, he's very respected within the industry of radio, and he has a very successful podcast that uh, just Al's boring podcast where it just basically talks about nothing. Him and his buddy Paul, uh, his lifelong friend. Um, it's it's kind of like the like Seinfeld meets podcasting. That's kind of Al. And if you know Al, like I know Al, because I work with him every day. We work at the same station. He doesn't work on the show, my regular sports show, me and Moose, Taz and the Moose. Uh, we have a different producer for that, Mikey B. Um, Al Dukes is on uh, Boomer Size. You guys remember Boomer Size, Boomer and Geo, Greg Giannotti and Boomer. That morning show. So that's the, uh, the the local show where the national show, but we work at the same uh, same station, different studios, but same floor or like next door neighbors on air, basically. So, but I know Al a lot of years. I know Al a long time. When I first tried to break into radio, Al Dukes uh, was a producer on one of the demos that I did in in Manhattan, in New York City. Uh, I know Al a long time. Al's a good guy. He's a good man. And you're going to love uh, the chat that Al and I have because, because Al is a big uh, wrestling fan. Uh, he's a, a old-school uh, WWF fan from the 80s, Georgia Championship wrestling fan. So we're going to jump into that. I'm looking forward to talking some wrestling with Al, some old school. And, uh, you know, he's got a very good sense of humor. He's a very interesting guy. He's been on the show a long time ago on the Taz show here, um, way back. I think when we were doing the Taz Lives, if I remember correctly. And for those that were full-time listeners of the Taz Daily Show, live video and all that jazz, uh, you remember there was the issue with uh, who invented the Jones and Al was tweeting stuff while they were on the air. It was Boomer and Cotton at the time. There was some issues with the Jones. And oof. so, uh, but it's okay. Al and I are friends again. We love each other. So we're buddies. So uh, you're going to enjoy the chat uh, that uh, I have with Al. I, I, I'm confident that I'm looking forward to talking with Al. Uh, it's been a long time coming to do this. Um, Guys, if you or someone you know is concerned about a veteran, please call the Veterans Crisis Line. 
Confidential support is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for veterans and their families. Simply dial 1-800-273, I'm sorry, 1-800-273, there you go, 825 and press the number one. Okay, again, I'll give you that number again, 800-273-8255, there you go, press the number one. Or use the online chat function, guys, on VeteransCrisisLine.net. Or you can also text 838-255. The Veterans Crisis Line is available to all veterans, even those not enrolled in VA health care. That's important to know. Even those not enrolled in VA health care. Guys, please visit VeteransCrisisLine.net to learn uh, more about recognizing signs of crisis, warning signs of suicide, and how to respond to a veteran loved one in crisis. Again, one more time, the phone number is 800-273-8255. Press the number one or use the online chat function, veteranscrisisline.net, or text 838-255. So, as I said, looking forward to jumping in with Al Deuce. Now, Al has a very interesting demeanor. Like his delivery is comedic timing. I don't think he tries to be, uh, you know, funny. He is funny. He's a very mundane Jones, as we would call it, very low key city, where sometimes I could be a little bit irascible, as you guys know. I could get in your face a little bit. So sometimes that could get a little bit of a difference there. But Al is a, a, a lover of wrestling. He loves the wrestling business, as the bulk of you do, as I do. So. He's a fellow, fellow wrestling fan, so give him some love. So you guys, uh, you guys, I think will definitely enjoy the conversation. So uh, uh, I know I'm damn sure looking looking forward to it uh, without uh, without a doubt. So it's um, you know it, it's good to catch up with uh, with old friends and uh, and get chirping with them a little bit. You know it's it's good. I, I I probably don't do that enough to be honest with you. Probably don't do that enough. So. Hey, support uh, for the Taz Show comes directly from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. See, they understand that the home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. And Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. And guys, it's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details to be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence that you need to make an informed decision. Okay, so here we go. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, please go to rocketmortgage.com slash Taz. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, Al Dukes coming at you right after this. All right, don't talk, Al. Okay, this is my uh, rejoin music. Uh, yeah, welcome back here to the Taz Show. And uh, as I mentioned before, we went to break. A uh, special guest on this episode, uh, WFAN radio personality, producer extraordinaire, a icon in radio history, soon to be in the Radio Hall of Fame at some point, at least in the Queens division. Um, his name is Al Dukes. Al, welcome uh, to the Taz Show. Oh, hi, Taz. Now, uh, do, I, do I look into the camera here on a laptop? Is this a podcast, a video well, cast? I know. See, this is what happened. See, so to bring you people behind the scenes, Alex, me a simple question before we started recording. Al, would you share that with the audience, please? Yeah, I was just wondering if this was audio and video or just audio. 
where are we and at today? You were not, and listen, you were not joking when you asked that question. <laughs> I was not, no. I was so hooked up I, to a laptop. Well, I'm a little perplexed because you're asking me if it's video and I, there's no cameras at your place or at my place. So how could it be video, dude? How? Well, there's a camera on this laptop, so I thought maybe you could look in through that. That's a great point. Okay, I didn't think of that. Uh, welcome to the year 2018, Taz. Uh, so anyway, Al Dukes, you're very famous, and you have a very successful podcast, uh, the Al's Boring Podcast. You're known for tweeting very boring things, very mundane, ridiculous stuff that sometimes makes me giggle, sometimes annoys me. But I know you a long time, so I understand that's kind of your gimmick, that's your bit. Uh, you're a radio guy at, at heart. What do radio guys do? Bits, correct? We do bits, yeah, a lot of bits. Big bits. So I get to see you every morning, uh, bright and early at the station. Uh, you're always very jovial, you're always very professional, and you're always very nice to me. Some of the other producers that are under you are a little bit intimidated by Al Dukes. I'm just letting you know that. Intimidated by me? Yeah, for real. Well, I've been in the business a very long time. I've Decades. Been, uh, Decades producing that morning show over there at WFAN for almost 11 years. Yeah, but you were in the radio business before that, dude. Before uh, that. Yes. Yes. But I'm saying just in that building, the intimidation factor, probably much like uh, when there were veteran wrestlers in the locker room, how there was some sort of respect that the younger wrestlers gave to them because of their time in the business. Very similar. Word. Uh, Al Dukes at Al's boring tweets is what you want to follow uh, my man on uh, Twitter. So, yeah, uh, it's funny to watch some of these board operators and producers squirm when Al Dukes walks by them. Um, Al's a lot of things. Uh, I don't think of him as intimidating, but I get it. Uh, and Al just gave the analogy of he's a veteran presence and been in the radio business close to 70 to 80 years. Um, before we talk about wrestling and old school wrestling, because that's your wheelhouse, WWF, let's be honest, uh, in that 1983, 1986 realm, 1980, right? That's your thing, correct? <laughs> it was a WWF and Georgia Championship Wrestling. Right. Well, I'm going to give you a platform here at the highest level to discuss right. that. Okay. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, Al's Boring Podcast. I want to talk about your podcast. Tell me, and we could promote it here, what we're going to do. But tell people, if they're not familiar with it, what happens on that pod. Well, on that podcast, it's me and my uh, lifelong friend, Paul. And we choose one topic each week, and we dissect it for an hour. Uh, for example, our, some of our recent podcasts, that was one of uh, things and people that disappeared. So just sort of things that used to be around, people that used to be around that you never hear from again. We'll do an hour on that. But some, see, that topic uh, could be, I don't know how you're getting out of, hour out of that, but okay. That topic is a little, that you got to watch because it's tough to have... I'm assuming there's not much comedy or jocularity on some of these because when people disappear, it's, that's sad sometimes because that means they're gone. But it wasn't it wasn't disappear like uh, you know people legitimately missing in life, sort of like celebrities that just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Ah. They're still alive. They're just not out there like they used to be. No relevancy in pop culture, popularity type thing. Like Steve Perry from Journey. That guy just all of a sudden disappeared. They got a new singer. You never heard from the guy again. Okay, great. This is why your podcast is very successful um, because of topics like this. You and Paul kicking ass, taking names. Um, is Paul uh, by any chance Jerry Recco? 
It is not. I do a uh, second podcast. Now, most people have one podcast, almost everyone these days. I have two podcasts. I do a podcast with Jerry Recco called the uh, Alan Jerry's Post Game Podcast. We come on after Boomer and Geo, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we talk about mainly sex robot stories, I'll be oh, honest. Interesting. Uh, I want to let people know. So, Boomer and Geo, that's Boomer Asaisen and Greg Giannotti, they are the morning team. In New York on WFAN Radio, and they do CBS Network, CBS TV. So, see, Al, this is not the New York market. This is called worldwide. Well, I'm, I'm a worldwide guy, okay? Not just national. I'm a worldwide guy. So, it's a little bit of a bigger platform than you used to. I'm just letting you know that. I'm very regional. Yes, you are. Well, that's what uh, Mark Malusis, my broadcast colleague, uh, Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio, we say that all the time about what your show is. Your show is a little regional, local show, and our show's national. Right, we're very specific. It's a uh, very New York centric, and nobody else matters. All right, with us, we speak of the country, Taz and the Moose. So uh, when I can get a word in, when Moose is talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. So anyway, uh, where did this love of wrestling come from for you? I just uh, grew up watching the uh, classic Saturday morning wrestling when it would be a very famous wrestler versus a guy who looked like he was previously stocking shelves and he would get beat down. And uh, it was just a way for me to see the wrestlers that I liked um, uh, featured. They would never lose. And then I would always hear these rumors of these great matches that were going to happen between two famous wrestlers. I rarely got to see them unless they were put on uh, the MSG network back then. Right, right. Uh, Otherwise, I'd have to read about them in uh, wrestling magazines or get the recap on Piper's Pit, you know, the following week. Sure, But uh, So that's how I started uh, watching on Saturday mornings and uh, reading wrestling magazines from the flea market. (laughs) Outstanding. So, for example, so let's say uh, you were going to watch wrestling and you were hoping to see, like, you know, uh, let's say you were hoping to see, you know, Rocky Johnson, you know, battle uh, against Sergeant Slaughter, but instead you got Rocky Johnson beating the dog shit out of Charlie Fulton, that type of thing. Right. And Charlie Fulton might have a shot where he got a couple of good shots in and uh, really kind of stunned Rocky Johnson. And you thought, this may be this guy's day. And, but no, Rocky Johnson would come back. Correct. See now, so you know what you're talking about. These are enhancement matches, and that's the respectful way to say it. You don't see them much anymore. Where some in uh, some insiders in wrestling and some of the hardcore fans that know all the inside terms, so they're cool. Um, that's called a squash match, and you know that. But I think you're kind of you wouldn't say that to me because you wouldn't say the inside term. That's what it seems like. Well, what did these guys do for a living when they weren't getting beat up? Oh. No, well, some of them, well, it's funny you say that. Some of them did have second jobs. Some of them, they did. But, 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 believe it or not, a lot of them made, did well. And they were wrestling a lot. You know, like, for example, the guy who broke me in, the unpredictable Johnny Rods, right? No, you know who Johnny Rods is. Well, I do. He lost a lot of matches on TV for Vince McMahon Sr. in WWF. But yet Johnny is one of the more respected guys and was under contract and made a lot of money and, Worked full time, you know, for for Vince Senior and then Vince Junior. So the, the current Vince, right, Junior. So, you know, some of them, not all, but a guy like like uh, Jose Luis Rivera or, or Johnny Rods, you know, um, guys who, uh, as we call in the business, underneath guys. That's the proper term. You see now, underneath SD Jones. SD Jones, absolutely. Let's not say the word Jones because there was an Got issue, it. as you know, back in the day. So. <laughs> 
a lot of people that listen to my content, they know who you are. Oh, because I see. of the Jones thing. Huh? Oh, little, Jones. It was a problem. So might be best to veer away from that. Oh, well, I should have said Jose Luis Rivera. You could have done SD Jones. We'd have been good. That's right. So that's why. But now some of the guys that you see, if you saw a guy come on to be enhancement talent, or as some call it, a jobber, okay, then if you saw that this guy looked like a sloth, looked like he never, you know, trained a day in his life or looked like he you know what I mean? Like never saw outdoors, you know, then there was, or if he was wearing a mask um, and he had a 52 inch waist and he was the invader 62, then there was a good chance that that guy was not working full time and not making a lot of money. Right. And I wonder if those guys, do they tell their children, their grandchildren, I fought Rowdy Roddy Piper one yeah. day. Dude, of course they do. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I wrestled Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan was famous. That type of thing. That's what they would say. Absolutely. Hey, off of the wild Samoan, rip my ear off in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Look, grandson, that type of thing. You know. <laughs> I say yes. It's uh, bragging rights. Yes. Yeah. So, so they, they, you know, they're proud of this. So out of all of these, you know, all the guys back in the eighties, let's just call it of, of World Wrestling Federation. Who was your favorite? Your, your top two guys. Top two guys, number one had to be Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Right. And okay. his battles with Bob Backlin and the Magnificent Morocco. Right. And then, uh, strangely, I really loved the masked superstar. Oh, he was great. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, now, from an announcing standpoint, were you a fan of Gorilla Monsoon or was this before Gorilla? Like, what, what, what was your deal with the announcers? Yeah, this was a Gorilla Monsoon era. Um, I, I liked uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan when he did some announcing uh, later on after he was kind of done managing. He was terrific. Uh, he was great. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, Gorilla Monsoon was the main guy. And then in, for a Georgia championship, the you know, Gordon Soley, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, a nice suit play by Kevin Sullivan, the devil. Um, <laughs> that guy was the devil. He scared me as a child, that Kevin uh, Sullivan. I, I, he's a good friend of mine. We were tag team uh, partners for a long time in the old school, early ECW, and I learned a lot from Kevin. I actually had him on my podcast. Um, yeah, he's a scary guy, but uh, but a good friend, a good guy. I, I learned. He taught me a lot. He was like a mentor to me. So, yeah. Um, now, another guy that you probably know also, I learned a lot from him years later, Tony Atlas. I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Atlas. Yes. Okay. Do you follow any of these wrestlers that hopefully are still with us, like on Twitter? I don't because I can't imagine what they're tweeting about. Older people on Twitter, mainly not great. Right. It's, oh, that's actually a very good point. That's a topic for you and Paul to talk about on the Osborne podcast. I just gave you some content. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, sometimes there, there are people on Twitter that you think, oh, my gosh, I finally found so-and-so. They're going to be terrific, and they're boring. And then people you've never heard of, like myself, are terrific on Twitter. No, see, you play that no one's ever heard of you thing, but you're you're very famous. I mean, people know who you are. Let's be honest. So back to talking 80s wrestling. Um who was your least favorite? Like, did you did you hate the heels? Like, was it like, oh my god, I you know I can't stand Dino Bravo. Like, I'm talking about Dino Bravo, like early Dino Bravo. You know, I I don't like Stan Stasiak. You remember Stan Stasiak? Yes, I do, do remember, remember him. Okay. I do. Some guys uh, don't. The guy. Well, there were guys that I really hated that then I learned to love. Uh, Magnificent Morocco being one of them because he had those battles with Snooker when I was a kid, and Snooker was my guy. And this Morocco would spit on Snooker and disrespect them, and it would make me furious. And yet, 
I also liked the way Morocco was so cocky and confident. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I learned to, even the guys I hated, I, I started loving. <laughs> build a respect for the talent. Yeah. Like Macho Man Randy Savage, that's what happened with Randy. He was a heel for so long and, and hated, and he was so damn good in the ring that then people started to love him because of the respect that they have for his work. Well, that's kind of what you're saying about Morocco. I also was a big fan of Don Morocco. Uh, and Jimmy Snooker and I, by the way, we were tag team partners also. I don't know if you know that. Really? Yes, sir. Uh, old school, 1993-ish, ECW, yeah. yeah. What was the communication like with him? I, I don't Not know. Good. Not, Not good. Not good. Uh, yeah, no, we would uh, cut promos. Uh, backstage, not live. Uh, Paul Heyman was like, "No, Jimmy's not good live." And um, he told a story about a lake and a river, and that we're gonna go through this. That me and him are gonna go through to get to the championship. And I don't know. It went on and on, and I don't even know. I was in a cave. All this stuff, <laughs> the stuff, dude. I'm not kidding. It was craziness. Um, and Paul just let the cameras roll and just let Jimmy just keep on going. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, he, he yeah, he, uh, him and I were tag team partners. Um. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Stump you if you because you know you know all the guys. I mean, obviously, Big John Stud. You remember Big John Stud? Yeah, I didn't like those. The, like, I wasn't a big Andre the Giant guy or Big John Stud or King Kong Bundy. I didn't like the guys that were just massive humans. Mm, that right. didn't. That wasn't real. Didn't really do it for me. Mm. I needed something else. Like, because I, I felt like those guys really. The fact that they lost any matches is silly. They were gigantic people. But uh, was it because they weren't as athletic, you feel? Yeah, yeah. It was just, yes, that's exactly it. They were just kind of throw guys around, sit on them, you know, put a big boot in their face. I don't know. It just it wasn't like sit Jimmy Snooker who, who was coming off the, the ropes and off the pages and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. flying yeah. high energy. I like the high energy match. So you probably you remember um, uh, a luchador, a mass wrestler from Mexico uh, that wrestled for quite some time for WWF, Mil Mascaras. Remember yes, him? I do remember him for a awesome. long time. That was really the only consistent masked wrestler that hung around. Correct. He was uh, now Mills is just a tremendous, tremendous competitor. And just to backtrack a teeny bit there, homeboy, just so you know, King Kong Bundy for a big man was if you watch him, if you watched his work now, if you went like on YouTube or WWE Network, whatever, and you watch Bundy's work, he actually was very athletic for a large, large man. He really was out. All right, yeah, you could say that, but uh, yeah, just it was not my thing. And and on the other end of the spectrum, this Mill Mascaris, a little too active. So there, I needed something in the middle. You know what I mean? Like he was always flying all over the place. It's like, yeah, he was. He was something in the middle was good. Then for he's me. taking one mask off, had the other mask off, then had a mask on the that mask, a different mask. Remember that part? He used to do that a lot too, Mill Mascaris. Yeah, you know what I wonder about the mass wrestlers? Uh, this is a legitimate question, like. When wrestlers go out, part of part of the great thing about being a wrestler is you're famous and you go out to dinner and people right. notice you. You get nice tables. You get, you get free, free drinks. Food. I get tons yeah, of mass, free drinks. Yeah, mess wrestler, you get nothing. You go out and no one knows who you are. No, they, that's to the contrary, my good man. That's not true because if you're like a Mil Mascaris or a mess superstar, those guys used to wear the mask everywhere and they were known. <laughs> They did. I'm not kidding you. No, I, I get what you're saying. They would keep the masks off. No, no. Even Ray Mysterio for a long time. Ray would keep in more modern day. Obviously, Ray would keep the mask on. That's how you get noticed, and it's just to protect the character. Um, the, I'm not. I swear to you, that's no joke. These guys would walk around, especially during this era of the '80s that we're talking about. 
dude, they protected the industry and they did not take the mask off. I was in locker rooms with guys, no lie. Um, and not just uh, um, wrestlers, you know, luchadors from Mexico, but uh, American wrestlers that wore masks, they would shower with the mask on. They would be in the locker room, and some wrestlers didn't even know what they looked like, and that's no lie. Hmm. Yeah, shocking, I'm sure. You seem shocked. So Yeah, but I thought also the, the on the opposite side, if, if you, like a guy like uh, Hulk Hogan, can't go anywhere without being uh, bothered, I'm sure, if you're a masked wrestler, you take the mask off, now you can do whatever you want. You seem like you'd be a big Chief J. Strombo fan to me. No. Shock. I'm shocked on that, no. really. Not Any reasons on this? Uh, I don't, I didn't really, you know, he was, uh, I don't know. He looked way older than the other wrestlers, even back when I'm sure he was younger. That's true. I don't like the, uh, that sort of Cowboys and Indians gimmick type thing. I don't know. It, it, it wasn't for me. Okay, that's. I think it's called Cowboys and Native Americans, but I, I digress. Um, right. It's different day. You're not on WFA anymore. We do national radio now. So, um, Tiger Chung Lee, do you remember this man from Korea? I do, re- I do remember Tiger Chung Lee. Not interested, although I, the, I did like his move when he'd get a guy in the corner and do that uh, high karate kick to the jaw. That he did. I liked. Very good. He did that I liked, that. but generally not a Tiger Chung Lee fan. Um, what about I'm trying to think of another guy uh, Tito Santana was a very famous man As you know uh, Everybody loved Tito back in the day I was not a huge Tito fan The Flying Forearm um, That was in my Jimmy Superfly Snooker era That's probably when I started liking Morocco more Because he would fight Tito Santana I liked so him So when, when you were uh, When you liked Morocco He was probably uh, I think he might have been uh, he's probably Intercontinental Champ, the WWF Intercontinental Champ, because he was the IC Champ for a while. That was probably during that era, I bet. Yeah, he would fight Pedro Morales a lot in the world yep. for that belt. So you know what happened with those guys, and it still happens a little bit today, believe it or not. So, for example, let's say Morocco and Morales, right? They would go around the loop, as we call it, L-O-O-P, loop. And they would basically wrestle each other. All over the country, dude, okay? And before, this would all happen probably for a couple of weeks. They'd wrestle each other, whatever the heck it is, 13, 14 times. And then they would do that to climax to wrestle each other at like a big event, like the Garden or the Spectrum in Philadelphia or in Boston. You know what I mean? Or in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. That So what they would do is... And it was, and as you know, right back then, Al, there was no social media. They didn't, there was no streaming video. There wasn't people with iPhones. So no one knew that the fans were, you know, as a bulk, were dumb as a box of rocks. Uh, you know what I mean? In regards to, they couldn't spread the word that, oh, I just saw this guy Morocco wrestle this guy Morales. I saw the match. I know the finish. They do it in one town, then the next town, then the town after that, then the town after that, then the town after that. And then you see them wrestle each other in this big push main event, whatever, at uh, the Garden. You'd be like, whoa, these guys have great chemistry. Yeah, because they wrestled each other a thousand times. But that was how smart it was back then. Well, that was uh, one of the things that came up in that Andre the Giant documentary, that uh, WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre were going to fight for the first time ever, and they had previously fought all over the country. That's right. Good point. I, I remember hearing Hulk. I think it was Hulk who said it in the uh, in the documentary. That, that, I enjoyed that. And uh uh, it got a lot of um, it got a lot of uh, what do you call it uh, rave reviews. You didn't like it because you said you weren't a big fan of Andre. 
Uh, I did like it. I, I felt like uh, years ago, A&E Biography did a whole thing on Andre the Giant, which was very interesting. And I, I feel like I learned a lot back then. And it was very similar things that I maybe I knew already. Hmm. Now, what are your um, what are your thoughts and opinions of the industry today? Do you not watch as much, Al? Do you hate wrestling today? I don't watch. Uh, I don't watch it today. Um, you know what was really strange? So I had stopped watching wrestling uh, in the late '80s, and then you know I kind of disappeared from it for a while, and then I turned it on during the uh, you know the Rock versus Steve Austin era when that was at its probably at its peak. Yeah, and I was absolutely shocked and stunned that on a rant, on a regular Tuesday night they'd have these legit main events. Yeah, yep. where I was the last time I had tuned into wrestling, it was you know the uh, uh, forget the the proper term you used versus uh, Hulk Hogan. Guy who, I, I forget the proper a, a guy who well you know was stocking shelves. Bullshit on this. And then, <laughs> and then they would get the term you used, Taz. Yeah, right. <laughs> then they would save the big things for WrestleMania. And here I'm turning it on, and on a Tuesday night, there's a huge, multiple huge matches. On a Thursday night, there's multiple huge matches. I was like, holy cow! How how are how are they going to keep up yeah. these stories? That's a good point. And why would I pay for a pay per view if I'm getting this on Raw? Well, you're right, and uh, and as you know, the reason for that is because of ratings, and that's what happened during that was the um, that was late to probably late '90s, early you know late '90s. That's probably what you talk about. I was in my prime then, and and we were all kind of you know you know slaved to the ratings. I mean, it was really that simple. So um, they had to put on bigger matches, uh, you know, to hook people, you know, and. It, it, because fans got much smarter to the business and fans got m- more of a, a, a sense of entitlement where they wanted more and more and more and more. And that's, you know, during when WCW and with the Nitro, Monday Night Wars with WWE and all this, and ECW was rock and rolling good. There was a lot of you know, small territories besides ECW that were doing well. So it, that's why. So they would try, they were, it, it was Vince had competition. Like it was back during when you were watching the 80s. As you know, it was very regionalized. So um, you would have Florida Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling. You would have, you know, uh, Calgary up where Bret Hart's dad ran and, and territories all over the United States. And and Vince McMahon's father, WWF, was the New York Territory. So, you know, they were – there was regionalized TV. It really wasn't national TV until, you know, years later. So that's why that was happening. That was also strange back then, Taz. Uh, both in the NWA and in the WWF, you had Bob Backlund as a longtime champion. You had Harley Race as a longtime champion. These guys, I felt like, had no gimmick whatsoever. They were boring. Like, how were those guys champions for so long? Work rate. Uh, that's why, because Harley Race is one of the greatest of all time, and Bob Backlund was legitimate out of, you know, wrestling in college and his success. And then they build him and pushed him even like a modern, uh, an old school, uh, I don't know, Kurt Angle, let's just say. Right. So that, you know, and, and, and that's why, because of work rate, you know, so, and the thing too, Alf, you pay attention to back in the day, right? Guys like you just named, uh, uh, like Harley Race. So I said San, Stan Stasiak earlier. Or if you look at like a Ken Pataro, these type guys will kill a con. You know, these guys, they... They look like men, right? They weren't, they didn't look like, you know, aesthetic, ripped young guys, right or wrong. Didn't they look like 
they look like they could be your uncle, like your pissed <laughs> off uncle drunk right at a party. That's how they looked. <laughs> yes. You know? So people could relate to that. And like younger fans, when we were kids, were like, oh, man, these guys were scary because they were like, you didn't normally see grown adults that were just looking to beat somebody's ass on a regular basis, you know? So, you know, I mean, Ken Patara was terrifying. I remember the first time I saw Abdullah the Butcher. Okay, I'm like, oh, my God, who is this guy? He's just got a fork. He's stabbing people in the head. He's 600 pounds. You know, he's got sagging pecs, just sagging. You know, do you ever see Abdullah? Yeah, he was a guy much uh, that I thought other wrestlers were legitimately afraid of because he seemed like the real deal. That's right. Crazy person. Dang right. And Bruiser Brody, the late great Bruiser Brody, was another guy. He had a very short time, I believe, in WWF you know, years ago. But Bruiser Brody, you know, he was a guy that would just – I've done a podcast talking about Abdullah and, and Brody and their feuds all over Japan, all over the world, uh, you know, and and just terrifying. Those those guys scared the piss out of people, you know, because they were – they were real, right? You know, so and I don't want to disrespect the talent today. I mean, I respect all the guys and girls today. I do, but it's just a different business now. You know, now it's about the athletes. They're all just about all of them are in great shape. You have to be. Um, and it's nice that the business is cleaning up in regards to, you know, substance abuse. I mean, during my prime, uh, there was a lot of substance abuse. I mean, a lot between drinking and, and, and drug use and stuff like tons and during this time like you're talking about georgia championship wrestling during the 80s or so or you know uh wwf and all that jazz i mean geez dude the, the guys were partying like hardcore you know what i mean because they were on the road so much they were away from their family so you're watching these guys on tv right and out these guys are away from their family like they were on the road so much they in 30 days in a month they'd be gone sometimes 25 26 days gone now gone yeah, they would. They showed that in that uh, thirty for thirty on Ric Flair. That was one of the points they were bringing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, you know, listen, um, a guy like you, a guy at your level, that you still embrace wrestling. It makes me proud to be a former world champion. I have to tell you that I, I am because the way you are and your aura, it's just nice that we have that support from someone like you. Let me ask you this also, Taz. Uh, I watched uh, years ago, the WWE did a documentary on the Road Warriors, who I loved the Road Warriors. I was a huge mark for Animal Hawk, of course. And, and they said that the that the wrestlers didn't want to fight those guys because they were rough around the edges and they would hurt people for real in the ring because their technique wasn't, especially when they first came up, they shot through the ranks, they said, very quickly. Uh, they didn't have a lot of ring experience. And they were hurting people because they were legitimately being rough on them. Well, some of that is true. But some of that is a little bit of an exaggeration. I'll give you an example, Al. Like the ring experienced things a little bit of a stretch, a little bit. The thing with them that made them early on dangerous was they were so damn friggin' powerful and strong. And promoters wanted them to exemplify their power and strength. And the talent they were wrestling was trying to get them over and work with them. But... They were just, they literally were, they didn't know how to hone in and work with their power and strength. It's, and then as they went on, they utilized it, their strength the right way. Instead of, it's hard to explain because I, I tried to pull the curtain back too much. But like there's a way to throw a guy across the ring without literally muscling him across the way, you know. And I think early on the Warriors, they were muscling guys. And 
it wasn't I, they were respected and guys liked them from what I understood. I, I you know, I know I you know, Hawk uh, God rest his soul. He spent some time in ECW way back early. This was without Animal, and uh, I got to tell you, he's one of the nicest guys you ever met, met in your life. I mean, I thought he was a super guy. I liked him a lot, but you know, I came across him towards the end of his you know career. You know, kind of. So I can't speak on that when they were young in a locker room. But I know what you're saying because they were a little rough around the edges. You're right. Um, but trained, they were trained right. They were trained by a guy named Eddie Sharkey out in Minneapolis, who's just uh, was uh, just legendary. So, but yeah, I didn't know you were a big Road Warrior fan. Yeah, huge Road Warrior fan. And the other tag team I really liked was the Dudley Boys. I had to tell you, I had this experience years ago. I had stopped watching wrestling, uh, and my buddy Paul, who I do my podcast with, said, "Hey, we're going uh, to go see ECW. Uh, you should come with us." I was like, "All right." Had no idea. Again, I was in. The last I tuned in, it was WWF Cartoon World, where there were action figures and cartoons, and all was good. <laughs> Ice cream bars with like Hulk Hogan on it. <laughs> exactly. We went to this. Uh, I, it was not an arena. Don't know where it was. Somewhere in Edison, New Jersey. And what I witnessed with the Dudley Boys and what they were saying to the women in the crowd, uh, yes. how people were getting hit. Uh, people watching getting hit with chairs. I thought it was going to be all out riot. I was like, what well, is this? Then I got interested in watching that. This used to happen in ECW. Was I at that event? I, I don't, I didn't know anyone at this event. I, I and they were selling tapes of, they, they were selling videotapes in the back. It was like, it looked like a flea market where guys could just get in the fist fights. It was scary. That was every night uh, for for seven years. That's yeah. called ECW. Um, so yeah, that's how it was. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was. Um, well, we had a, a a legitimate, strong, very cult following. The company did, and then that cult grew and grew and grew. You know. So um, yeah. But I, I remember working in Edison once in a while. We used to do that's called a spot show. We'd work those little towns in New Jersey or in. in uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, northeast area of Pennsylvania, like the suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, we used to do that stuff all the time. And, yeah, it was it would get crazy. There was several times where there was police involvement and riot gear and dogs. Um, I, for real, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It used to happen all the time. We got into, without getting into too much details, I don't want any problems. Uh, many years ago, there was an event somewhere in Massachusetts, without getting into the detail of the town. And uh, this is our true story. And... We were all, uh, the locker room was so small in this, this like church, wherever we were wrestling. It wasn't a church. It was like a, like a, what the hell was it? What do you call it? Like a men's, uh, what do you call a club? Like a lion's club. What do you call it? Help like me a, out. Like um, a VFW hall. Correct. 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 Yeah. Up and up near, not far from Boston. And it was like a Friday night. It was summertime. It was hot as hell out. And the locker room was like the size of a small cabinet. And, so you got all of us were big guys, we're angry at all times, we're ECW, so we have to be angry. So what do we do? We used to take the cars, kind of park the cars near each other so we had some privacy. We dress in a parking lot. We used to do it all the time. Like it was like no big deal. Like we, we it was like we didn't have locker rooms sometimes. We just that's what we did. So we're out, we're hanging out and stuff, and just we had rent the cars or whoever that had their personal car, you know. And there's these guys that are hanging out on their porch. And I think they might have been smoking a little bit of what the kids call ganja. And uh, you're familiar with that term, right? Ganja, yes. Okay. So um, 
and they were getting a little rowdy, uh, and they were yelling stuff at us. Now they're at a they're at a home on a porch, um, <laughs> right near our locker room, which is a parking lot at a VFW in the middle of like a, a you know busy little city, and they start yelling at us and calling us names. And next thing you know, whew, ah, it didn't go well on that porch for those guys. So <laughs> they probably did yeah. not see that their evening going that way when they they began the evening. But, but could you imagine like you, you're like just a regular loving couple that lives across the street from this house and then you look out your window, oh, it's a nice summer evening, let me look outside and you just see these wrestlers in a little bit of a altercation with these guys on a porch and like the, we were like, like the guys, the talent in gear, dude, like ready to go wrestle, you know what I mean? So yeah, it was one of the more odd things uh, that I... Now, I didn't do anything. I was just watching. I was not involved. Uh, I was to an ECW show in St. Petersburg, Florida, where towards the end of the evening, someone in the stands decided, I'm going to jump in the ring and just jump up and down. That did not end well for him either. No, that's not a good thing to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's not good. Yeah, that's not good. Oh, I have a wrestling wrestling question for you. I'm I'm, I'm thinking all my things. So so remember when the uh, Bob Backlund held the title for so long, then the Iron Sheik beat him? But yes. uh, Arnold Skolin threw in the towel. Manager, manager of Bob Backlund, yes. Do you think Bob Backlund knew that was going to happen? Absolutely. You did? Um, yeah. Yes. Because he, he'd been <laughs> yes. a company guy for so long, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have screwed him over. No, yeah, yeah, I, I really believe that. I, you know, I, 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 totally believe, I totally think that Bob knew that. I do. Um, but you never know. You never know. I mean, you never know. But I, again, I always try to curb it that, um, you know, you, you, you know, if I was in a locker room, it's tough for me to I, I just knowing the way the business is, especially back then. I, I don't think um, I, I do think Bob knew. Yeah. So interesting. You don't ask me these questions at the workplace. Well, because they'll never end. I, I one question that leads to another one for me. And I, it's a lot of wrestling questions from the 80s. And you're very yeah, busy with uh, Moose, you know, what, what's a LeBron up to? Where's he going? What's he doing? What do people think of LeBron? So I don't want to interfere. Yeah, a lot of LeBron talk on our show. Yeah. Lots. LeBron, more LeBron. Do you, you guys, uh, Geo Jones, you, uh, Geo Jones, that's the old show. You, uh, Geo and Boomer and yourself and Eddie, there's not much, uh, like all the LeBron stuff. Are you guys talking LeBron or not really? Yeah, we do LeBron stuff, but not, we're, no, we're not obsessive with it. We got to get to our Yankees and Mets uh, every day. Nonstop, every day. That's what you guys talk. Well, we, uh, we were talking uh, a couple of days ago, yesterday and today, about uh, Gary Sanchez being a lazy ass out of the box. Uh, you know the story. I'm sure you've heard it a billion times already uh, that he didn't hustle. And uh, I ripped him on the air. Ripped him, I say. Um, I don't think Gary Sanchez is coming on Taz and the Moose anytime soon. I can tell you that. Yeah, so you did that probably for a segment. We did four hours about it. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. At least we, we could. I mean, Look, the beauty of it, though, when you're doing, you know, the tri-state area and you're covering, you're hitting, well, you could, FEN could hit a lot more spots than tri-state area, but as far as your phone calls, you're getting the most, you know, arguably the most opinionated sports fans. I guess you could throw some folks in from Chicago, maybe some folks in down in the Atlanta area, but <laughs> as far as opinionated, New Yorkers, uh, you know, ultra opinionated, so the phone lines are always lit up, right, for you guys? Uh, yes, but uh, I screen the calls and I don't let most of them on because most of the callers are terrible. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a tough job. The call screening gig is not as easy as people think because you need to get a caller that's got an opinion that has uh, that has something to say. It's not he's not starstruck. He's not going to come on and just curse everyone out. Um, so you got to balance that whole act. Correct. There's call answering and call screening. Taz, I am a call screener. Tremendous. Uh, and before I let you go, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't let you talk about and promote. You have another show. You also have the warm-up show, you and my friend Jerry Recco. Um, how is it that you have so many shows? Well, they're all short. So the warm-up show is on WFAN for 12 minutes. Mm. Well, 17 minutes, but we do three or four minutes of commercials. Uh, so that's very brief. Then I do the podcast with my friend Paul, where we actually did a, uh, if, if people go back and scroll back, we did a whole episode on 80s wrestling, 80s and 90s wrestling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You should get that file to my producer, oh. and then I will post it uh, so I get the downloads for it on the Taz Show. Interesting. Nice deal, huh? Now, where does your podcast live uh, right now? Is it still, do we still, are we still with the same company, our podcast or not? The Taz Show and uh, Al's Boring Tweets or you're somewhere else? Uh, Al's Boring Podcast is an independently owned and operated podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on um, uh, Google Play. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, wherever you would get your podcast. But Let me make uh, it easy for you, 1980s, Al. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you could hear the Taz Show, you can hear you know, the Osborne podcast. Perfect. Is it on radio.com still? I believe it is, yes. Yeah, so there you go. And the thing is, it's not called iTunes anymore, Jobber. They call it Apple Podcasts. Oh. That's what they call it. <laughs> is it. You didn't get the memo? This just changed. Yeah, yeah. They didn't tell you? Uh, no, I'm not aware of that. But that does make sense. Yeah, they yeah, that's the yeah. I have uh, the people at iTunes. They email me on a regular basis. They give me updates all the time, so I, I get all this info. You I have another I mean? uh, wrestling uh, question for you, Tess. We're done, but okay, go ahead. Do here's what I feel: if I were a wrestler, this is my show. You're interviewing me. What is this? Oh, if I were a wrestler, I don't think yes. I would give it my all at a house show. I would feel you like Gary Sanchez, right? <laughs> Why risk an injury in front of 13,000 people instead of give it my all on pay-per-view? Well, it's, it's not as simple as that. Like when, okay. I, hear, so when I hear a wrestler got hurt at a house show, I'm like, why, would, why are they wrestling at a house show? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a house show, which by the way, you know, in WWE, like you're not allowed really to say house show anymore. You have to call it a live event. Yeah, they have names for everything. So many rules. So, yeah, they got still a lot of rules, bro. So, so here's the thing: the bosses, the agents, they watch your match, and if you are lazy ass and you're dogging it and you're not getting a reaction and you're not doing your job, well, that agent, his job is to send a report directly to the head of talent relations. In this day and age, it's like Triple H, and Vince McMahon is copied on that. Um, so that's how that works. So basically the agent has to say, all right, well, Al wrestled Jerry Recco, the match completely sucked, and Al was the shits because he was boring. <laughs> that's not a good report. So then when you show up to Raw on Monday after that Saturday night house show, uh, you have a meeting with Vince, and that never goes well. So that's why. I would just so, be like, Vince, I'm good for tonight. I see the cameras <laughs> out there. I'll give it my all. 
Well, because they want people working hard because uh, the house shows, the live events, uh, obviously people are paying their money to see the event. And also you want to build house show. When house show business is up, that means the company is flourishing, making money. Live event house show business is actually very, very important um, when your business is up on house shows. That's that's super important. Now, WWE is at a different level because they surpassed the way wrestling is and with their network and they're a publicly traded company and the billions of dollars and all this jazz. So they're a little bit different, but like, um, you know, smaller wrestling territories that maybe have some regional TV or like a streaming, whatever show on, on, on some video platform online. If they start running house shows, then wrestlers want to work for them because this is the little hook. When a company has house shows, that means you can make consistent money for that said company. That's a key thing, see? So um, once you're running full gamut of house shows, like when I was in TNA as a commentator, and then they started to wean out and not doing house shows anymore that during that time, uh, you know, a few years back, whatever, five years ago, six years ago, wrestlers were shitting their pants. Like, oh, no. I got to get out of here now because now I can't make money. I can't make real money here. You know, um, that's that's the thing with the house. Show. I know you were joking in a way, but that's the backstory of the house show. But what was the for a wrestler, the most lucrative era to be a wrestler? What, why? Why is this Q&A thing happening right now with me? Why wouldn't you just invite me on your podcast and we could do this there? Oh, we don't have guests. It's just me and Paul. Oh, God forbid I, I bump Paul out of the way. Oof, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, Paul, does Paul have a lot of Twitter followers? Because that's what we judge people by in this world today. You know that. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Paul is the masked wrestler of the podcasting world. His identity is not known. His face is not shown. He's got a real job. He's not sure if they're aware he is a podcaster. So Paul's Mark Chernoff. He's... He's a friend of mine, but he's just not seen or heard. And now people are intrigued. They want to see photos of him. You could say Mark's name. You you you, you work. Uh, you know, been working with Mark for years. He's uh, he's our boss at at CBS Sports Radio at WFAN. Well, he's the one of the most esteemed uh, general managers and program directors in radio. I thought maybe he was doing a podcast. You wearing a mask? People would know Mark Chernoff's voice. That's true. Can you do the impersonation, or I need Geo? Yeah, Geo is much better. I'm not a good impersonator. Hold on, I've heard Geo do. I will answer your question about the lucrative time and era. It was uh, being an ECW champion in 1998 to 1999. That was the most lucrative time for anyone. That was me. Um, no, I would say I would say during the Attitude Era, during that era of the early 2000s, uh, late 90s. To me, I think that was ultra lucrative, maybe because that was my prime, and I remember how much money guys were making. Now back to a Mark Chernoff and Geo. So uh, let me ask you. The Geo impersonations. I've heard him do the Francesa. I've heard him do a lot of different people. Uh, I've never, maybe because I'm on the air. Does he do a Mark Turner impersonation? He does. He does. Is Mark cool with that? Uh, yeah, Mark's cool with that. Cool with that. As long as it's not Mark. a hurtful impression, and it's not a hurtful impression. It's a, it's a fun impression. It's, um, you know, he does like, um, you know, Mark tends to um, make noises through his nose. So he does yes, that. I know. I don't think Mark's going to listen to this podcast. No, I, never don't, know. I, don't, uh, I don't think so. Mark's got about 10,000 jobs right now. Yeah. He's a busy man. Let's, that way. Let's leave it at that. Worrying about so. these podcasts, not one of them. 
<laughs> and before we go, uh, how about that little video uh, I gave you to rub? Remember that? I made you a star. You were wearing a mask, and we did that thing with Izzo. Remember that? Yeah, I have a, uh, a listener named uh, Anthony in Belleville. He'll, he sends me uh, wrestling belts for just to have in the office. And uh, one day, a big box of wrestling masks showed up, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to wear a mask and uh, go down and talk to Taz. So that's what we did. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. I still have the masks in my office, and I'd love to do a second one as soon as I come up with an idea. We'll do that. Definitely do a second one for sure. Maybe I to, think that's a grand idea. Maybe to promote this podcast. Uh, it's not a bad idea. Wow, you're you're really a innovative thinking radio producer. This is refreshing. I like. Oh, this. Yeah, thank you. I'm not used to that. Um, so, uh, well, look, Al, it's, it's been awesome. Oh, Taz, I have a quick uh, question for you, wrestling related. Uh, shocking. Uh, go ahead, buddy. Taz, whose wrestling career do you think did you expect to be much longer but was cut short for whatever reason? Mine. Okay, Al Dukes, ladies and gentlemen. No, uh, no. I, I would say oh, that's a tough question. I mean, mine kind of ended quick. But oh, I, was there I a, guy that got, a guy that – Burst onto the scene where you're like, this guy's going to be around forever, and then you never, you know. Yeah, there's been a few guys like that. Um, I, I I don't know why, like, just I'm trying to think, like, more in recent. I mean, there's probably a bunch. People listen to this. They're like, oh, they're, they're hitting me right now on Twitter with a million things. I guarantee you when they hear this. Um, you know, a guy that I would think that um, – I remember a guy, this is when I was a commentator on SmackDown, a guy named Mordecai. I don't know if you remember him. I don't. A guy named Kevin Thorne. Good guy, right? Big dude. Uh, good good in the ring. Very good in the ring. Very good talent. And he came in. He had this, he had like this, all, he wore all white. Like this hair, this white hair. He was a big guy. And his gimmick was just cool as hell. And I feel like he, he got cut short a little bit. Um uh, I don't know why he just jumped out of my head. I, I know you're asking like uh, some guys back in the yesteryear. I'm trying to remember. I don't know why Mordecai just jumped out of my head. I don't even know how long Mordecai was in WWE, um, WWF at that time, whatever the hell we were. Who else got cut short? You mean like to the injury or just, just like it just slowed down? Yeah, either one where you felt like there's somebody who's going to have a long career in wrestling and then it just never happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Al. I mean, I'm sure people are tweeting it. I, I don't have the answer. And then uh, who hung around too long? Hogan? Uh, no, nah, I, I, I get, you could say Hogan a little, but, you know, I look at guys, if they're hanging around, it means they're on a full-time schedule. Um, you're looking at guys that you just see on TV, and they're looking very old, that type of thing, right? Yeah, I was just really just wanting to make a whole Hogan joke there real quick. Ah. Okay, so uh, I understand what's, what's happening, and that's uh, that's great. Uh, I one so, time uh, saw Hulk Hogan in the nineties. I was uh, yeah. at a steakhouse, and he walked Did by. Did you approach me. him? Well, he came by me, and I I said under my breath, "Hey, Hulkster." He said, "Hey, brother." <laughs> that's cool. Uh, listen, uh, that's Thunderlips. You saw, you thought, you remember that, right? Yeah. Thunderlips. Best. Best. Ah, look, uh, we're wrapping up, kid. What is so, it? Music. 
Uh, this is the outro. Uh, that's called the outro. Um, this is a man uh, named Bazanji, and he does my intro and my outro. And he is a great hip hop artist uh, out of uh, North Carolina. He went to UNC. He's a younger guy. He's been on my show. He's, uh, he does Taz and the Moose entrance, so uh, uh, theme music also for us. I like it. He does custom music for for all of my content myself and with Moose and I. Uh, so yeah, his name is Bazanji. Uh, you should follow him on the Twitter and uh, B A Z A N J I. I think it is. He's my friend. So I think when he's in New York, Al, I'll have him come to the station, and he'll uh, he's, Moose and I have him on the show. And if you want to have him come over, he does like a lot of freestyle rapping. Maybe him and Gio will do a rap off or something. Maybe have him do something for Al's boring podcast. Just have him send it over. Uh no, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Just send it over. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, dude, you're the man. I appreciate you coming on. And and uh, people need to go follow Al on Twitter. He, he has a very entertaining Twitter account, and it's free, right? To follow him on Twitter at Al's Boring Tweets. And plug your podcast one more time. Uh, Al's Boring Podcast, wherever you get Taz's podcast. That's called branding. All right, Al, thanks, my friend. I got to go. Look, enough with you. I got to go. We're done? We're done. I'm done with wrestling. All right. I'll I'll talk to you later, Al. Thanks so much. That's Al Dukes, ladies and gentlemen. And I appreciate everybody who downloaded the show. Thank you so much. I'm Taz. You're not. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Adios.